to uh, be with you. I was here, Heather and I were here last night and uh, had a great time last night. And uh, nice to see a full room, nice to see a balcony with lots of people on the balcony. Can you say hi? That's good. You can't, you can't go asleep when you're up there, all right? I want you to be leading the amen through this sermon, amen? Good, okay. You guys can join in, all right, as well, so you don't go to sleep either here. I love this church. Uh, we, we left this church in 1999. We were part of the leadership here, had many happy days uh, seeing people saved. Uh, we were reminding last night that I was, a boarding, I was at boarding school at Peter Simmons, which is uh, now a sixth form college, uh, and that's uh, how uh, we came. I came first to Winchester. And uh, Heather was born in Winchester, and all our children were born in Winchester. So we had a walk down memory lane this morning. We left the Premier Inn and had a lovely walk around all the back streets. And, but we love more than anything this church what, that draws us back. We're so, so grateful to God for the leaders here. Uh, Steve and Annie done a great job. It's great. Tim and Liz are moving in the elders. I just love this church. I love so many people in this church, and it's just a joy. It feels like coming home. Uh, we're based in London, uh, have been for seven years, and uh, just serving one of the sort of uh, churches up there, trying to help it. And uh, we, we quite enjoy living in London, and we're getting a bit old for it, but uh, we still love, we love the diversity. The fact it's 37 nationalities in this church, and the average age is 29, and white British is the minority, all of which thrill us to bits. It's just wonderful. We thank God the nations have come to our nation and many of them have brought the light of the gospel and the joy in the gospel and it's just a wonderful wonderful uh, privilege that they've come um when i was a young man which is quite a few years ago now um rodney kingston who was who's who's with the lord now but he was a prophet very well known in uh, in new frontier circles and we just moved into this building and it was pretty uh, ropey um, and he came to the front with a prophecy, and he prophesied that under this building, a river was going to flow, and it would flow south and west and east into the nations, and that from this church, God would pour out his spirit, the river would get larger, and the flow would go to the ends of the earth. And it's very interesting, and I hope this encourages you, that from this church, I went, Chris Kilby went, Dave Lockyer went, and churches have gone all the way down south and across the southwest, and we've had a big part in influencing and being a blessing to India. So well done, church. And if you don't know that, yeah, very well done. And if you don't know, if you're new to this place, under where I'm standing, there is a basement. And if you go into that basement, there is a stream. There's a hole in the wall, well there was a hole in the wall and you could see a stream that runs and floods right underneath this city. And so he didn't know that, but actually it was incredibly prophetic and true to reality. So let this river flow this morning in all of you is my prayer. And I'm going to do something which I, I haven't think I've done before. Rather than look at notes and just preach from my notes, we're going to take the whole of Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read through it and just stop occasionally and make some comments. Um, you'll find uh, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is setting his face like flint 
towards Jerusalem. He's declared his mission, and his mission means he's going to Jerusalem and he's going to die in Jerusalem. And commentators tell us that chapter 9 is the, is the beginning, or it starts the most important section of Luke's gospel when we come to chapter 10. And it reveals Jesus as teacher. And so it's really, really important we understand what Jesus wants to teach us so that we're true to his teaching this morning. He finishes chapter 9 talking about forks in the road, the cost of following him. Jesus always brings us to forks in the road and asks us to pay a price to follow him. And then he goes now into chapter 10 and he's sending out, he's, he's showing his disciples what the mission is all about. And we're going to read the narrative. If you've got a Bible, I hope you have. I know if you haven't, uh, that, uh, do you have, I bet you don't have free, we have free Bibles. We give free Bibles at Westminster Chapel just because we would love people to have the word of God in their lap. But have the Bible open on your iPhone or whatever you've got. And we, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. And I'm, I've titled this morning's message, Three Easy omissions from the Great Commission. There are three things. You get the three stories we're going to look at. And actually, if you're, if you're switched on, you'll realize these stories are overlapping like circles on, a, on an archery board. There's a center that Jesus is driving for. But these stories all talk about going a mission it talks, it, it, there's a sense of, 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 of missing, of, of losing sight of what the mission's all about. There's a, a sense of being reminded what it's all about and a sense of the heart of what the mission, what drives all mission, being lost. And so let's, I'm going to start, and I, by the way, I'm, I've, I've rhymed the headings because I think that sometimes helps people to believe. So, and you can repeat it after I've said it, so then we're all in this, on the same page. So the first, first thing we're going to look at as we start to read chapter 10 is, with 72, it's still too few. Can you say that with me? With 72, it's still too few. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now imagine a field of sunflowers that you might see sometimes in Britain, more often in Spain and France, just going acres and acres and acres. And imagine 72 bees being sent from a hive. What would you say? With 72, it's still too few. We want every bee in the hive on the mission. Everyone is, needs to be involved in the, in the, in the pollination and the, and the collection of honey, and Jesus is agreeing. The harvest is plentiful. There's there's tons of people out there that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, but the laborers are few. Every generation needs to be reminded the laborers are few, and therefore, 
It says here, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. And when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet to be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on, the day, on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is such wonderful narrative. We need to get into the story and just realize the simplicity of the mission, the focus of the mission. I mean, for me today, let's be honest, let's just put this into its context. We're going on a mission, all of us. We're going to advance the kingdom. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to declare the kingdom of God and see the demons evicted in the name of Jesus and we're going on this mission we're going to start with Kingsworthy we're going on into Ichinabis we're going over to Alsford we're, we're on this mission don't take anything with you this morning leave everything behind don't worry about your money where are you going to sleep tonight it's, it, it's, all, it's all in his hands he's going to be following up behind us but we're off on this two by two as we sent out and we're on this mission now that's, that's where we've got to be these disciples I mean it's an amazing mission isn't it and they're coming back, and we're privy to what happened. They're coming back, and I reckon not only is Jesus really excited, I reckon the disciples are clearly excited. They're high-fiving. They're high-fiving one another. Did you see that? Did you see that person, that person who was sick? I laid hands on him. Did you see him get up? Woo-hoo-hoo. Did you see that moment when that, that person who was snarling and, and angry and I went, in the name of Jesus, and, and suddenly they're writhing like a snake on the floor. Did, did you watch it? Did you see it? Jesus, Jesus, you won't believe the stories we've got to tell you. And he's just standing there smiling, loving hearing the stories. Because this is the mission of God. But 
more important than the work of God is the relationship with God. You see, all of our mission flows out of intimacy, out of knowing the heart of God. The closer we get to Jesus, the closer we start to understand how much he does love the world. And the more we get involved in mission, the more we find ourselves loving Jesus and loving all the things he does and says and is. And here's a truth for every single one of us who's put our trust in Jesus Christ. He would say to all of you this morning, don't rejoice in the work you're doing. Don't, don't, don't think that's the be-all and end-all, that what you've done. Remember this very important thing, that a million years from now, in the new heavens and the new earth, you'll be able to go to a library, you'll be able to draw a book, the book of life, and you'll be able to turn its pages, and you'll be able to find your name, written in blood, the day you became a Christian. Your names are written in heaven. John 10 tells us, Jesus says, no one can pluck them from my hand. We are eternally secure. We will eternally be worshipping the one who has rescued us and saved us. And it's this one who's rescued and saved us that says, hey, I know you're in on a good thing and I know you love it when people are saved and people get healed and, and all the joyous things that we talk about on a Sunday. But remember this, your names are written in heaven. That's where we're headed, folks. The new heavens and the new earth. And all of life is preparation for that day. So do not forget, the greater the intimacy, the greater the family will grow the second thing I want us to see just moving on, on the, in, in, this, in this section is in this parable of the good Samaritan it's headed up on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus the teacher he said what must I do to inherit eternal life well what is written in the law this is Jesus' teacher, as I said. This is so important. Jesus is being asked. He's asking a teacher, an expert. What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, and by the way, this is an outstanding answer. This isn't something just anyone could have come up with. This is an outstanding summary. When you think of the Old Testament and all the laws and everything else, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. <laughs> we always want to justify ourselves. Justification, uh, the legal term, of, which means sort of uh, putting some, making someone righteous, putting ourselves in the good camp, the, the, the holy camp, not the sin camp, the other camp. We always want to justify ourselves. Have you ever found that? We're never quite as bad as someone else. <laughs> we stopped speeding. You were doing 70. Yeah, he was doing 90. Um, it's not as bad... 
I'm just trying to justify myself here, officer. We always want to justify ourselves, and no more so than people with church and Christianity. How many people are wanting to justify? Do you know how much I give? Do you know how many times I go to church? Do you know how much I've traveled? Do you know the pilgrimages I've been on? We're always trying to justify ourselves as if God is keeping score and we're somehow up on everybody else. Well, this teacher, brilliant answer, but he wants to justify himself. And uh, so Jesus tells this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, now this is the good guy. These are the good guys, all right? A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, another good guy's coming down the road. Well, if the first good guy, here comes the second good guy. And when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, this is the boo-hiss pantomime moment of Jesus' story where, now this is, the, this is the guy who has got it all wrong. All his theology, syncretistic. This is a guy that the Jews despise. This is the bad guy in the story. Oh, yeah, he's going to walk by. No, the Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, He took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper to look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise, church. Go and do likewise. Don't try and justify yourself this morning, but go and do likewise. There is so much need in Winchester. You can't see it if you just mix with nice Christian people all the day. But there's so much need. And Jesus would say, go and do likewise. Can you remember how Jesus, when he began his ministry, said, if you love those who love you, well, you're no different from the pagans. Did you notice how hospitality in that opening session is such a major part? And sadly, we've made hospitality all about us instead of all about them. Loving them. Treating them, inviting them. So many people from other nations come to England and and, and English people, white British team, say, up drawbridge, no one comes into my castle. But we're not like that. We are people who've been saved because Jesus crossed the street to us. He rescued us and pulled us into his family and says to us, go and do likewise. Likewise. 
I said last night, when I was here as a boarding school boy, bullied for three years, terribly treated, ended up, a bully broke my leg, ended up in a right mess. My parents were thinking, this guy is a head case, a fruit case. We're going to have to put him in some sort of help because he was such a maladjusted child. And God got hold of me. God crossed over. He rescued me. And every time I sit on the streets of, of Victoria and chat to a homeless person, it nearly always brings a tear to my eye. Because without any exaggeration, that should have been me. That should have been me. But God crossed over. And he says to all of us this morning, you cross over. Cross over where you're uncomfortable. Cross over where you don't eat their food. Cross over where you don't speak their language. Cross over where they might smell, where they might be a bit different from you. And see what God will do. Don't spend all your time entertaining one another. Spend your time, your money, your effort reaching out to draw people into the embrace of Jesus Christ through your embrace. I had a visitor very recently at chapel, a guy from Open Doors. We had a coffee together. And he told me a story about Westminster Chapel's history. And he said... In 1847, just after Westminster Chapel began, a young man called Robert Thomas visited the church, went to Bible college, went to the chapel for four years, and then he returned to, that's him, he returned to Wales, just outside Abergavenny, to lead a church. He was good with languages and felt the call of God to go to China because China was really the place to go in, in terms of mission. And so he, he left the church and he went overseas and he learned Chinese and was part of that organization reaching Chinese, inland Chinese with the gospel. He felt God, God call him to Korea and he went on his first mission trip into Korea just along the coast, went along, he translated bits of scripture and he gave these scriptures out and he witnessed and people responded to the preaching of the gospel. He went back to China. A few years later, he came back onto the beaches and started to go from village to village. And he was met by a crowd and they grabbed him on the beach and they beheaded him on the beach. But just before they beheaded him, he offered his executioner scripture. One generation later, another missionary went to Korea. They went to that same village and they found a church. The executioner's walls, his house, was pasted like wallpaper, all the pages of scripture all around the walls. And the executioner's son had become a pastor, had become saved and leading one of the first churches in Korea. What this man told me is he took a lady who had just escaped from North Korea, a Christian, to this little church in Abergavenny. And she saw the picture of Westminster Chapel and the picture of this guy and she knelt and wept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for crossing over. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving up your life. We might 
not ever give up our life to death. But we can, brothers and sisters, cross over. This week, cross over. That person in your street, that person who nobody likes in your work, that person that you meet who, who's come from another country and no, has no friend, you can cross over and you can embrace and you can change their life and make a lasting difference. To love our king means risking everything. I missed the title, didn't I? Third title, make your choice to hear one voice. Can you say that? Make your choice to hear one voice. This is how it finishes. At the home of Martha and Mary, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Hey, just check that out. 72 people at least on their way. Who here is going to say today, 72 of you? Yeah, no problem. Come over for some lunch. I mean, what? What incredible hospitality that is. I mean, she must have had a lot of servants, other people that were going to help, but just her heart with Jesus on the road saying, come on in, guys, throw up a chair and we'll get cracking with some hospitality. Now, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. You bet she was. By all the preparations that had to be made. Kill the fatted calf, get the sort of well, water from the well, break open the wine. Let's, 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 let's. I mean, it's a lot of work, isn't it? She was distracted. And she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her. You always tell language, can't you, how it's going. Tell her, not Mary, my sister, tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's just have a little bit of fun to finish with. And I Apologies to any of you who don't follow football and particularly don't understand VAR or offside. But there's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? This is a big, big, big event. Jesus in town, Jesus with his disciples. And we need everybody in defence at this moment, was Martha's mentality. This is, this is an attack. Everybody back defending the goal. And Mary... Yellow card, she's offside. She's right down in the front. She's, she's, she's miles offside. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. Can you imagine Martha going in? I mean, what, what was she signaling? I, I reckon she was signaling much, much more than that. Huffing and puffing around. Are you all right there? Are you comfy? Do you want a cushion? I mean, I reckon she was really getting wound up. But then the... The worst thing goes on now, because Jesus comes in, and she's thinking, yeah, Jesus, give us a bit of hand here. Just tell Mary. And Jesus comes in, both feet, studs up, flying, and takes Martha's feet from under her. I think it's a straight red. It's a straight red for Jesus. 
that was just awful. Just be, this woman's invited you in, this woman's doing all this, and you're telling her off? That's how we might be tempted to think. But the truth of the matter is, everything that Jesus has said in all three stories, there is a bullseye that we need to be always aiming for. When if we are serious about the mission, the place we start from is intimacy with Jesus Christ. He is the great attraction. He is the one who is worthy of it all. He's the one that our hearts need to be drawn to worship And you can do all this stuff. And sadly, it's true that even charismatic churches with charismatic worship can can go through the motions, but our devotion, our first love has been lost. And we're just going through the motions. Are you just going through the motions today? I pray to God you're not. But here's the point that you need to understand from the final story is that for you to prioritize Jesus, you need to make a choice. You will not fall into intimacy with Jesus unless you make choices. We we choose, Heather and I choose every day, a, a time, a place, and a rhythm in order to encounter God. We get up early. We we spend our first hour together in bed reading the Word of God. Praying, going through a list of the churches like this church and praying for its leaders, interceding. There's a rhythm in lunchtime, there's a rhythm in the evening, there's a a rhythm of prayer that helps me keep close to Jesus Christ. Daily keeping close to Jesus. Walking with Jesus. Knowing how to spend time with him and being in, in his presence, not because I'm a preacher or a leader, but because I'm a child. And he wants to speak to me. And he wants to tell me that I'm loved. He wants to remind me my name is written in heaven. And that I'm a child of a father. So this morning I want to ask you, in terms of your omissions, what most speaks to you this morning? And so we have some sort of response. I'm going to ask you, so I'll tell you beforehand, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to go through three points just in their titles. And if you want to respond to God this morning on any one of these three points, Just stand as I go through them. We'll get the worship band back up because after you've stood and I've prayed for you, it'd be really good to have ministry where the prophetic might break in, words of knowledge, opportunities to do more work with God. But let me just remind you what these three points are. First of all, are you on the mission? Jesus is calling every one of us to be on the mission. With 72, it's still too few. If you've got 72 people all doing stuff in this church, evangelistic, reaching reaching the gospel, great. But God's looking for everyone. God wants to use every one of us. And it's his mission. If you read that in that thing, none of it depends on us. It's Jesus's mission. It's the Father's mission. All we've got to do is be available. So if you're saying, God, I want to say to you this morning, I'm available for this mission. Use me. Why don't you stand right now? Well done. Well done. The second group of people... To love our king is to risk everything. Are you you playing it safe? Are you saying, actually, 
I quite like my middle-class group of friends, and I don't want to. I don't want to step out. I don't want to go and knock that neighbor's house. They've come from Pakistan. I don't know anything about that nation. If you're saying I'm willing to go and cross the street, cross the road, cross the nations for Jesus Christ, why don't you stand as well? This is about the poor and needy brothers and sisters. There are so many needy people in Winchester. They're elderly, they're young, they're broken, they're looking for a friend. You can be their friend. And the third group, you're busy in church life. You're busy with life. You're busy with the kids. You're busy. Your life could just be called busy. But there's no joy. There's no intimacy. You're just going through the motions. Even coming to church is just, I'm just doing my duty. And God wants to fill you with joy this morning. He wants to draw you aside and say, look, I'm there for you. I'm waiting for you. Come and spend time with me. If that's you, why don't you stand? Lord Jesus, you are worthy of it all. Every breath we breathe, every word we speak, every pound we earn, you're worthy of everything. And I pray this morning, none of us would omit and miss out on the great mission you've called us on planet earth to live out. I pray, Lord, for everyone standing who wants to be recommissioned on this mission. I pray commission them today. Lord, may they have an incredible next week or two where they just enjoy talking about Jesus Christ. They're just able to love someone in the name of Jesus. They, on this mission, Lord, your mission to preach the gospel, to declare the kingdom, to deliver the demonized, to heal the sick. I pray, Lord, your anointing on everyone who stood for that. And Lord, for everyone who stood about crossing the street, I pray give them authority and courage to cross even today, to go to a neighbor's house and to be able to share something of, of hospitality, something of your goodness, something of your blessing into another person's life. I pray that for everyone who stood on that count. Lord, bless this church to be a blessing to Winchester and beyond in the name of Jesus. And I pray too, Lord, for all of us, every one of us, that we would not forsake our first love. May this church not make you sick because it's rich and well-fed and well-loved and well-looked after, but has lost sight of its King, its Saviour, the one who is worth it everything. Lord, draw many to a heart of worship. May many arrows be fired to the bullseye of intimacy with Jesus Christ. That our spiritual life would be different because we prioritize, because we choose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, let this seed, I pray, fall on good soil and let it produce good fruit in all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.